How do I start this? Oh yeah. <laughs> how do we? How do we start? How do you start this? How do things happen? I hit my head earlier today. Wait a minute. You're dead. You'll be dead for thirty years. Welcome to Boohaha, a podcast that is ostensibly about ghosts, but more often than not about weird tangents and former Republican presidents. Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we would be living in a much better world if Dan Aykroyd used to be the president. <laughs> It would explain a lot. He was a gateway <laughs> celebrity. <laughs> every every week on Boohaha, I gather my nearest and dearest to me uh, to gather around the campfire that I have lit in my living room and hope that we don't die of carbon monoxide poisoning or smoke inhalation. And uh, this week, that nearest and or dearest is Zoe Preval. Hello. Welcome. I, thank you. I'm, it's good to be here. It smells like a campfire. That's the fire. We've got a campfire. Uh, there are some marshmallows somewhere. My dog might have eaten them. <laughs> She's hungry. <laughs> she loves snacks. <laughs> um, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Gladly. This is uh, a weirdly warm and sunny day to be talking about spooky things. It's still light out. <laughs> it's, it's it's not only light. It is, I think, the hottest day of the year so far. So far, definitely. They said it's going to get up to 90 this weekend. I saw that. <sighs> I don't. You know, when global warming works for you, just go with it. So I'll keep recycling mostly. That'll make it. That'll make it work. Yeah. 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 That's gonna be fine. I could do with one or two more degrees. We'll get there. I'll burn a little bit of styrofoam. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is a podcast that is primarily about ghosts and tangents. Uh, where do you stand on the supernatural? Um, stand on the side of the supernatural. <laughs> I stand on the side of the Lord. <laughs> I was I was gonna say, does that mean I'm one of them? Does that mean you're the Lord? Um, I I think if you're standing on the side of the supernatural, it probably means that like they'll accept you into their ranks. You know, mm-hmm. like you're like ghost in training. That's actually why I stand on their side. <laughs> really hedging your bets. I'm, yeah. Well, I mean, if they're we know that there's they're real. I don't think you know. I don't think about it too much, but I think about it enough. Yeah, it's not an everyday thought. I will think about a ghost once every week or two mm-hmm. at length. And be like, oh, yeah, yeah, ghosts, spookies. When someone brings them up, I get very excited. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That's something that I like. <laughs> it really it really is the great unifier. Ghosts. Yeah. yeah. Ev- everyone has a story and or an opinion. Yes. And I feel like ghosts are the only thing where people aren't going to get real shitty with you. (laughs) Like, if you believe in ghosts and somebody else doesn't, they're not going to be like, well, fuck you, though. Yeah. They're just going to be like, okay, yeah, well, that's a fun story. There have to be those people out there, though. I want to see the guy who is so angry that I believe in ghosts. I do, too. (laughs) Right in, if you're listening, (laughs) angry internet weirdo. Real, and I'm mad about it. Snowflake. <laughs> Insert loud key tapping noises here and huffing breaths. Uh, yeah, so so you are you are a supporter of the supernatural. You you hope to uh, you hope that they ingratiate themselves to you. Oh yeah, um, and they they because they're real. Cause yeah, they exist. 
So, okay, and when you say they're real and they exist, in what capacity do you think spooks and specters are real? Is it like... Not in like a... You know what? I don't know how to answer that. Fair. I think that there are things that haunt places that are like something just something something must have i don't know something must have went wrong i Mm -hmm. guess i haven't thought about this too much i'm gonna sound insane no we're gonna totally get into it because this is the the prevailing like two thoughts on it are either there's ghosts that are things that walk around and have agency and have thoughts or it's like echoes yeah echoes i don't think they can actually do anything like i don't really think they can like knock something off of the counter they're not poking you in the eye yeah 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 they're not gonna go back and murder somebody Mm -hmm. or like seek revenge actively sure with their hands with their ghost hands (laughs) spooky cloudy hands yes they're translucent (laughs) but (laughs) i'm just making kind of a a limp swiping motion Sad as ghost is trying to hurt somebody. I want to kill. <laughs> no, they like if they're strong, then they can maybe appear as their form when they died, but mostly just like you know, whispers and echoes. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand too. That just logically speaking, and I mean, I'm gonna put some industrial grade quotation marks around logically. Sure. But it stands to reason that there would be glitches occasionally and something would repeat or echo or you would see something that happened before happen again. Yeah. I, I'm on board with that. Absolutely. I, I don't – I draw the line at, like, seance stuff uh-huh. where I'm like, I don't fully – like, look, I'll play a Ouija board until the cows come oh, home. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we we've already had one one reference to uh to my Ouija board glory days. Yeah, yeah, it was oh boy, god damn I need to I need to have another Ouija board party. Yeah. Maybe that's my birthday, birthday. party. Yes <laughs> Birthday Ouija Pard Pard. Who are you gonna summon? What are you gonna summon? who knows? That's the point. That's the fun. You never know. You never know. But yeah, when it comes to someone wearing a lot of like purple velvet channeling someone from beyond it's too much yeah yeah it's i'm trying to make money off of that i smell a con man (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah let me actually just really quickly adjust this i'm realizing it might be a little bit quiet tech issues should have sound checked beforehand this equipment is i don't know how far how far should i be holding this i would say probably a good like slightly closer than you would want another person to be (laughs) now we're getting into ethics of boundaries and personal we have to start this feelings podcast can we turn this into a feelings podcast listen up listeners (laughs) coming soon i wanted to do a series of like short form podcasts where it's like there's a there's a month of this and a month of that and one of them was going to be with you, and it was going to be called Cigarettes and Feelings. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you for telling me this now. But was going to be, do you mean is going to be, because I really want to do that. Look, we can we can sit down and record some stuff about cigarettes and or feelings. I Just <laughs> fill the room up with, with some Marlboro. <laughs> <laughs> we can smoke inside. That's my oh. favorite thing. Is there anything better? No, it's like go to casinos to smoke inside. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Miss smoking indoors. 
So I have pulled together a couple of spooky stories from the greater Los Angeles area. And I'm going to give you a couple of options. The first one is the comedy store. Mm-hmm. Super haunted. Mm-hmm. Second one, the mysterious mm. haunted Queen Mary. Familiar, yep. The article uses a still photo from the horrible. Ghost ship? Yep, that is from Ghost Ship. Yep, <laughs> that's the the a terrible, terrible ghost movie. I haven't seen it, but that really brought up a strong image in my head of uh, probably as around it's the, the, the Los Angeles around area. the Greater Los Angeles area. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next one is the Roosevelt Hotel. Oh, okay. Um, one of the many spooky hotels in the Great Los Angeles area. Ooh. The Cecil Hotel. I don't know that one. Oh, the Cecil Hotel is now the Stay on Main. Hmm. That sounds vaguely familiar. It's sort of, it's by the uh, the United Artists. It's now the Ace Hotel. I've been there. Yeah. It's uh, like a, the, probably 10 blocks away from there. Okay. It's, there's some... Do you, did you ever hear about that Eliza Lamb thing, the the woman who ended up in the water tank? Yes. That would be the Cecil. Okay, great. So, so we've got that. Have you been there? You have to tell me what. So I, so I didn't. Um, I walked by the Cecil, and they still have like a big, like a big thing up on the side. I'm like, oh, there's that terrifying place. Is it in? Op- is it? Is it? Is it open? Yeah. Okay. They actually they rebranded it as the Stay on Main because the Cecil was so. So that was a recent rebrand. It was very well known as like Hollywood's haunted hotel. I remember when that was happening. Yeah, it was such. There is, th- like, there are a lot of haunted hotels in in Los Angeles, but yeah. the the Cecil seems to be like the most spooktacular of all of them. And then the the last one that we have is Gene Harlow's Westwood Home. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> Based on that voice. <laughs> I think since we already started discussing it. We have to do the Cecil? Okay, perfect. This article comes from thelineup.com and is written by a cult museum. A cult or a cult? A cult. Okay. Yeah. Not a person, just an occult museum decided to pen an article. The Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles has long served as the inspiration for any number of spooky stories including the recent American Horror Story Hotel. Eddie, they gotta put an ad in there. I hate Hollywood, baby. In the text of the article, that is also linked. So you can click on it and find out more about American Horror Story Hotel. They don't actually care about a cult. Nobody fucking cares. They care about clicks. (laughs) Want those sweet ghost clicks. (laughs) Lady Gaga is hungry. She was in that season, right? I thought she was. I thought it was a reference to Illuminati. I don't. I get don't. Jokes. Hard. Hard to. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is a reference to the Illuminati. <laughs> they told me not to tell anyone this. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, there's just a laser sight on your forehead. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> so, in the 1920s, downtown Los Angeles was on the rise, and the Cecil Hotel, which began construction in 1924, was part of a wave of similar high-end hotel in the central area. Wasn't that also, like, right smack dab in the Great Depression? But they were building high-end hotels. In that is maybe, maybe one leads to the other. <laughs> <laughs> Hotelier William Banks Hanner commissioned the construction, opting for a marble lobby, art deco flourishes, stained glass windows, and alabaster statues. So a real kind of Donald Trump living room vibe, <laughs> just generally. However... The lingering impact of the Great Depression, there we go, 
turned LA's downtown neighborhood into one of the city's most impoverished, with high homelessness and crime rates. Good, they deserve That's, it. Yeah, what? take it, take it back. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the first and only like pro Skid Row opinion we've got on the podcast. The second I said it, I was like, I'm trying too hard. I should think before I say anything. Probably. <laughs> oh, also based on what downtown Los Angeles is now, and they're like taking over. It's the same. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing, except with uh, with an Ace Hotel and that. What's the Grand Street Market? There's like a really big like food cart. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> I love gentrification. I, it works out in your favor. <laughs> yeah, it's you know what? If you can manage to walk the ten blocks between the Grand Central or Grand Marketplace or whatever. And a place that isn't a terrifying reminder of income inequality in America. Good for you. <laughs> I love being white. <laughs> uh. I'm running a ghost podcast out of my like luxurious Midwestern couch. That should be the subtitle of this podcast. <laughs> We're white! Exclamation point. Despite these grand designs, the Cecil has long been known as a suicide hotspot. In 1931, the first recorded case involved 46-year-old W.K. Norton of Manhattan Beach, who had checked in. Yeah. I'm from Torrance, <gasps> or partially, which is two cities away from Manhattan Beach. Oh, did did you did your family know about the suicide? No, I'm not actually from <laughs> Torrance. It's a log. <laughs> I don't. I lived there for like four. I went to high school in Torrance. Okay. <laughs> That felt like a confession. <laughs> I'm sorry, I went to high school in Torrance. I told you before this that I don't know how to explain where I'm from or know who I am. <laughs> Look, it, when you've lived in more than two places and one of them is near a major pop cultural reference point, it's hard. You gotta say that one. Yeah, so there's a guy who lived in Vancouver for a lot, but it's easier to say Portland because people are like, what the fuck is Vancouver? Are you I'm Canadian? <laughs> no, fuck you! really proud of you for admitting that <sighs> it feels really good god just the first time just uh manhattan beach suicide yes so he's from manhattan beach, he was from he committed suicide at the hotel i like the idea that he didn't he's like no i don't want to i don't want to sully the name of manhattan <laughs> beach manhattan beach is super ritzy too <laughs> <laughs> like, that it makes sense yeah. uh wants to go to <laughs> wants to go to an alabaster hotel and uh as the article says take poison pills yeah. It's got to be an easier way. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Just, that sounds very painful. Yeah, that doesn't... Hmm. A mere eight years later, 39-year-old sailor named Irwin C. Neblet, <laughs> who was two-dimensional and animated by Tex Avery, committed suicide using the same method. And months later, another... Another guest, 45-year-old Dorothy Skyger, followed their example. Spooky already. Just within the, within the first 10 years, we're up to three. That is more than one or two. That that's, that's, that's enough statistically for a trend. Yeah. Despite this, the most common approach to suicide at the Cecil Hotel is jumping. In 1937, a woman named Grace E. Margot fell from the ninth floor, her body getting tangled in telephone wire on the Fuck. way down. I actually know somebody who died that way. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, now, I was picturing like a kind of Tex Avery Looney Tunes, like falling through various like cartoon awnings and just, or like when, when a cartoon character falls from the top of a tree and they hit all the branches on the way down yeah. and then they land and they're fine. 
they go through the awning and their body is like it's just the cut shape out of the yeah yeah and then they land in the trash and they've got a big bump on their head and then there's birds and there's cuckoo 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 not the case <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't have made it personal i should not have, i just should not have said the thing out loud <laughs> he's fine he was gonna die eventually (laughs) oh he's fine he was fine before (laughs) what a great way to describe somebody's death it's like oh he was fine before (laughs) so it's like yeah no that's that's the direction it goes (laughs) oh anyways anywho Uh, but she was trying. Yeah, oh. she was really she was really going for it. Okay. Um, I assumed that it was going to be uh, well. We we don't need to linger on this. Um, <laughs> in 1944, Dorothy Purcell, age 19, awoke to stomach pains. She went to the bathroom and delivered a what? Jesus! Oh my God! You don't read this before. <laughs> I skimmed it. <laughs> she went to the bathroom and delivered a baby she hadn't realized she was carrying. Love that TV show. This this that happened to my great grandma. Whoa! That's how your grandma was born. Yeah, she she went to the bathroom. It, I thought it felt like I had snakes in my belly. Oh no! Like, for nine months, you didn't. Hmm. She was from the old country. I was gonna like Romania. Uh, <laughs> I love that the, the old country is specifically Romania. No, she was uh, she was like from southern Italy. Oh, okay, that's an old country. Yeah, it's uh, blah. Your accent. I it was va- I was doing a vampire accent. I think is the issue. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> it was not an Italian accent for sure. Um, but so this this nineteen year old woman uh, didn't know that she was pregnant, delivered a baby, believing that the baby was dead. She tossed the newborn out the window. At trial, she was found not guilty of homicide by reason of insanity. Which. If she wasn't before, that'll do it. That'll do it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. Other suicides have involved more violent methods. In fact, the second ever recorded at the Cecil Hotel involved 25-year-old Benjamin Dudick. Can't laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> I also can't not laugh at that. You should have gone with the comedy star. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've still got one. We've got one in the chamber, oh, so I right. think I'm gonna have to do the comedy store because you know we, we we need to pull something out of the suicide hole. <laughs> like, wait, oh, there's gonna be lots of suicide at the comedy store. Are you kidding me? I'm dying up here. Uh, I... <laughs> oh, I audio podcast on. I ruined audio podcasts. <laughs> all these sounds that I make. Look, sounds sounds are fantastic. That is the only way that the audience knows that you're here. It's like it's like uh, reverse Tyrannosaurus. I get it. That's exactly yep. Thank you. Like that was I was really I was struggling with that. I'm like, eh, does it work? Almost okay. Oh, all right. So, Mister Mr. Dudick shot himself in the head in 1931. <laughs> <laughs> Now I really feel like I'm at a slumber party telling scary stories with a girlfriend. Good. That's that is the aim that I uh, that I go for here. That's why I have all of these mannequins and dresses. Hey, lady. <laughs> Don't talk to them. They'll talk back. Oh God. <laughs> so 
Three years later, 53-year-old Louis D. Borden, who had served in the Army Medical Corps, cut his own throat, but left a note explaining his poor health. Uh, weird, I mean, it'd have to be real poor health to be like, I'm gonna... Yeah, in the Army, that's a bummer. None of it's good. Nope. It's uh, At least, I mean, he was in the Army Medical Corps, so I assume he would be really good at slitting a throat. Just, yeah, you'd know, just quick. Yeah, you know where to go. It might say something about the quality of care provided by the Army Medical Corps that he didn't go for a more painless poison. <laughs> or the first two people with the poison, he knew that they were wrong. Sure. He's like, that didn't work. Yeah. And I'm certainly not going telephone lines on this one, so. This is incredible. How many suicides are we up to now in how many years? That is I think related to the hotel or not? So these are these are all of the these are these have all taken place within the hotel. Right. And we're up to at least like five or six. I'm just trying to tie the I'm just trying to say it's, it's not the hotel's fault. It's just a coincidence. It was a nice place. They wanted to be there. <laughs> I should have mentioned to the audience that you are on the press board for the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> place <laughs> as you're saying it like just uh, like just just bodies are falling past the window behind you hitting every branch on the way down i've actually i'm looking up just to see how many what is that one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen at least 18 that are referenced in the article. On top of being a suicide hotspot, the Cecil Hotel also has a long history of murder and of housing serial killers. Oh, good. <laughs> As if it wasn't bad enough. <laughs> it has long been associated with one of Los Angeles' most infamous murders, the Black Dahlia. Uh -huh. Rumor has it that Elizabeth Short had her final drink in the hotel bar mere hours before her grisly demise just miles away. Uh, uh, so it uh. is the hotel's fault. Oh, yeah. No, and there's three more paragraphs in, the, in this section of the article. In 1964, retired phone operator Goldie Hahn. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Gold, Goldie Hahn is immortal. Yeah. And just like in Death Becomes Her. Yeah. <laughs> watch this that next yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right listeners we're just gonna this has become a commentary track for death becomes her um, goldie. goldie so a retired phone operator goldie pigeon woman osgood all right <laughs> wait is it pigeon woman in quotations okay it is pigeon woman in quotations We'll get to this it's in a second. Not part of her name. Okay. There's gonna. It's gonna be. There's like. Look. There's a funny part. There's a bad part. There's a funny part. Goldie Pigeon Woman Osgood was sexually assaulted, stabbed, and strangled in her room at the Cecil. Mm. A hotel employee discovered the longtime resident dead amidst her ransacked belongings. In life, she'd enjoyed feeding the birds. Specifically, in Pershing Square, the same place where. Jacques Ellinger was spotted wearing bloodstained clothes after the murder occurred. But, um, something, uh, yeah, like the lady from, um, nope, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your candor. Like, Home Alone? Yeah. <laughs> you do. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, pigeon lady. So, yeah, I think the guy who murdered her was found 
wearing bloodstained clothes at the place where she spent time feeding birds in life. And the birds are sitting there like, where's our food? We're hungry. Yeah. We're pigeons. I only have one foot. <laughs> Every pigeon. Right? Have you? Oh, it's be hard to beat a pigeon. I saw a pigeon outside of a Chipotle recently. Doing fine. Good. <laughs> just, just. Hmm? Oh, that bird's doing fine. King of Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard Ramirez even called the Cecil Hotel home for a brief time in the eighties. As the Night Stalker, Ramirez broke into homes and attacked the residents within, eventually targeting straight couples in order to kill men and rape and demand valuables from women. While staying at the Cecil, he, while staying at the Cecil, this self-avowed Satanist would regularly toss his bloody clothes into the hotel dumpster and return to his room through the back entrance. Oh, dude! I, I, th- I think it's the hotel. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was going to say just <laughs> now. This can't all be a coincidence. Oh, we're not even done with the murders. We haven't even gone to the ghost part. No, yet. no, this is, huh. In 1991, uh, Jack Unterweger was assigned an article on prostitution in L.A. and chose to stay at the Cecil Hotel. Although he'd been sentenced to life in prison for murder in 1974, he was released in 1990 as a model for rehabilitation in Austria. The author of the article? Okay. Yep. Weird move from the paper. Straight to journalism. Yeah, it's like... Uh, I think we want you to write an article about prostitution in L.A. I will put aside the fact that you were in jail in life for rapey murders. Uh, and, and got out. And, <laughs> and got out. I'm not going <laughs> to. What I'm going to do is dangle some of this heroin in front of your junkie oh, face. I get the like immersion. They're like going to really be interested in his take on it. But what? Austria? <laughs> it's Austria doesn't have a good track record just as as the european country that has like the most daughters locked in basements <laughs> it's not every time one of those stories happens it's, it's always austria fucking austria so during his five-week stay unterweger beat and sexually assaulted three women <laughs> before strangling them to death with their own bras of course he did jesus christ he was arrested in miami in 1994 and killed himself after being convicted to another life sentence way out gonna insert a parenthetical here and boy was there egg on the editor's face (laughs) (laughs) yeah right oh that was heavy oh god so those are just some of the horrible things that have happened at the cecil hotel which i said earlier it is still a functioning hotel they just changed the name burn it down yeah yeah why not just get rid of it In its almost 100 years of operation, the Cecil Hotel has witnessed many dark moments. Some of these traumas seem to linger as visitors and residents alike occasionally report odd phenomena. Hotel guests regularly report sightings of dark figures in their rooms, often often waking to the tugging of their bedsheets. Perhaps the most famous recorded paranormal phenomenon to have occurred at the Cecil is the photo above, taken by a local resident, Costin Aldrete. It went viral due to the spectral figure seen hanging outside of a fourth floor window. Mm. From apparitions to other strange sights and sounds, specters like the one captured by Aldrete are a reminder of the hotel's haunted past. 
Yet these visions may also be a warning for the future, reminding us to cherish the life we have. Uh, or close down the fucking hotel. <laughs> it's such a... It's It would be like the equivalent of having like a like an extended article about the water crisis in Flint and then just be like, makes you pretty grateful for Evian though, yeah. right? You're like, no, no, that's... That is not the moral of the story no. here. I feel like I'm always the... I'm always the negative Nelly of this podcast being like, uh, it could be a ghost or maybe it could have been a shopkeeper with a megaphone yelling into a canyon. See last week's episode, true believers. I, I will. <laughs> I'm very curious about the megaphone. It's, it's a, it is a sound. Look, I don't want to be Mr. Snopes over here. Okay. <laughs> but... Often I am very much the negative Nelly of this, and this place just seems evil. Yeah. I'm yeah, obviously. Yeah, d- definitely evil. Rife with specters, and yeah, burn it down. Or turn it into a parking garage. Do Like, do something that doesn't involve people being vulnerable there for extended yeah. periods of time. You could use more parking garages. Always. Enough hotels. Yeah, you you tried to to park downtown LA. Poof. I do. It's yeah. bad. Yeah. You want a valet? Ugh. Expensive. Yeah. Turn it into a parking garage. Burn it down. Burn it down. That person. That's definitely a person halfway through a window. I don't quite see the hanging. I see. I see a figure, a, a blurry figure. Kind of halfway, who's halfway through the window? Is this a good time for me to go potty? Yeah, Why did I say that. <laughs> so yeah, the Cecil Hotel, definitely mm. spooky. Mm-hmm. That seems like I'll I'll give that full ghost. Two it, two ghosts way up in a water tank. Like, what is the scale? <laughs> <laughs> What zero ghosts? <laughs> it's it's zero to five bodies in water tanks. Okay, I feel like is the scale. I'm giving it. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a four and a half water tank bodies. That's that's more than half the amount of people who killed them. Less than you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna try to tear apart the rating system. That's fair. That's fair. It's it's. It's uh, super haunted. Is it's super fucking haunted and definitely burn it all the way down. With legit ghosts. Yeah. Not just when I was doing the the research for this, and again, quotation marks around research, I looked at a couple of blogs. But it was all at the Hotel Roosevelt, Marilyn Monroe's ghost can be seen applying lipstick. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> You're trying to see Marilyn Monroe's ghost. That's what everybody, and in fact, I think for the Hotel Roosevelt, they actually had a list of haunted rooms, like, if you wanted to stay in one. Trying to sell you ghosts. Gotta sell those ghosts. It's fucking L.A. But, <laughs> Hollywood, <laughs> baby! I like that L.A. is, like, as if exploiting... Hollywood's human population wasn't enough. <laughs> There's also ghosts that you can squeeze some money out of. Of course. <laughs> Are you a hideous goat monster, ghost child, chicken-footed dance demon, or just a housewife transformed by fire into a grim donkey monster? Maybe you're just a skunk ape lake monster looking to shed a few pounds. After all, 
everyone needs to stay in shape. But quote-unquote traditional gyms are likely to turn you away based on your nightmarish visage, ectoplasmic residue, or your prominent goat penis. But here at Goatman's CrossFit Gym out in the woods by the Fort Worth dumping site, we won't turn you away. Even if all your birdie skin is melting like a donkey candle. We've got rope, ladder, the lake, and tire to throw. Our competent staff of personal trainers are here to help you achieve your fitness goals. Here at Goatman's CrossFit Gym out in the woods by the Fort Worth dumping site, we like to say, Tin can, you can. Bet. Well, yeah, that was that was ghost. So um, that was ghost. <laughs> that was ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is now. It is now my turn to choose. And I love reading out loud. Perfect. Then this this is the podcast for you. <laughs> I've been babysitting children lately and oh, like reading the books. And do I- not read them these stories. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Just quiet, silent weeping. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> All right, I think I think I I have to do the comedy store. Okay. Just just in the hopes that it will be it will be spooky. The comedy store, guys. You've been there. Oh, apparently why, why does it say Ciro's? Okay, it doesn't matter. All right. Description. What I didn't need to say that. <laughs> <laughs> the comedy store is a showcased comedy nightclub where people in, enjoy stand-up comedy shows that promote up-and-coming comedians as well as well-seasoned comedians as well. Many comedians got their start here, and this venue has remained very popular indeed. I feel like they're editorializing just just a little bit. With my tone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, many have gotten there. Okay, good for you. <laughs> I'm sure. The comedy store makes its home in a three-story building that long has been home to various popular entertainment venues. Inside, the patron can see shows in the original showroom <laughs> and the much enlarged, the much enlarged, the much enlarged main showroom. That makes it sound like the main showroom has some sort of growth. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the it? The much enlarged showroom. Uh, the showroom. That is so unnecessary. The showrooms have backstage dressing rooms. It better be haunted. That better be why they included that. (laughs) There is a basement storage area below the stage and the first floor, a kitchen, and an annex off the kitchen. I'll never see these places. Offices (laughs) are located in the second and third floors of the building. The Sunset Strip area was not under the jurisdiction of the city of Los Angeles from its beginning in 1870 until the year 18... 19 uh, what until the year 1984 wait what is that so, a typo <laughs> so what was it like was it Mal- <laughs> malibu <laughs> like what could it have been there's no i like the idea that the sunset strip is like its own independent <laughs> nation <laughs> like, yeah it's like um what do they want to uh, the Pacific Northwest into oh yeah it's like it's the Cascadia of Los Angeles yeah yeah but just this <laughs> shitty tourist place <laughs> you've been to City Walk <laughs> you need a passport to go there if you live in the Sunset Strip area which no one does <laughs> love City Walk um wait hold on I'm just gonna read that I'm gonna read that sentence again. 
The Sunset Strip area was not under the jurisdiction of the city of Los Angeles from its beginning in 1870 until the year 1840. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Says that. This led to this area of West Hollywood. Oh. This led to this area of West Hollywood to being open for illegal activity oh. that drew people who were interested in not only legal stage entertainment, but in the not-so-legal area of sensual entertainment, games of chance and quotations, and, of course, the banned alcoholic drinks during the Prohibition. That has to be a typo. It has to have been. Eight- no, it Prohibition was the 1920s. Yeah, it must have been its own little area. That's such a long time. That, that what? Yeah, well, okay. Well, maybe they'll explain. Maybe that's why the uh-oh. Like, it's the just uh-oh. A, <laughs> an insane municipal oversight that a central part of the city was its own municipality. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> there are signs that say, no, what's it called? No, um cruising still Re- yeah I, that al pacino movie really did the trick <laughs> which one i haven't seen it oh it's called cruising oh or i think i think it's cruising oh not an apostrophe i wish he's an undercover cop and he has to go undercover in like la's like gay nightclub scene to catch a murderer it might have been new york now that i think about oh. it Anyway, same thing. Games of chance. And of course, the banned alcoholic drinks during Prohibition. (laughs) Nightclubs were a convenient way to provide all three, being legal businesses that were conveniently nearby or next to not-so-legal entertainment. Organized crime groups were good at running it all. They were good at it. That's what they do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The building that is now home to the comedy store was built by nightclub developer and owner William Wilkerson in the late 30s to be a ritzy nightclub, Sierra's, for Hollywood's rich and famous, offering top entertainment. Mm. Mm-hmm. For nearly 20 years, so 30s to 50s, it was the premier place for famous Hollywood stars and other high-profile people in the movie and TV industry to hang out and enjoy themselves. During this time, the mafia, of course, had its fingers in the club. <laughs> Adding some quotation marks there. I don't, I don't like the idea of the... M- the mafia or anybody having their fingers in anything. No, no, it's um, <laughs> I don't like any fingers in anything in general. Uh, mafia ran comedy. Uh, as Wilkerson had several clubs on the Sunset Strip, he probably worked out business deals with Mickey Cohen. He's from the mafia. Yeah, ooh, I the can un- tell. <laughs> yeah, the underworld boss on the Sunset Strip who controlled the vice businesses on the Sunset Strip. Mobster Mickey Cohen ran a brothel next to Sierra's. Beside demanding a cut of the club's profits, which was the cost owners paid to stay in business and breathing as well. Ooh, high stakes. Uh-huh, you can't breathe if you're dead. Mickey set up his headquarters <laughs> in an office located upstairs in the Sierra's building. Official mob boss unpleasant business was taken care of downstairs in the basement. Oh boy, there was a killing and torture room to what the fuck to hurt, punish, and kill problem people. In is this the the dressing room that they were talking about? <laughs> that, it does tie back in. Okay, good, good, great. Uh, oh, what, then what happened in the kitchen or whatever? Um. It's this room in like the twenties, and it's like somebody having their their knuckles broken, and then flash forward to like Brian Posehn taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> they're all sleepy. They're everywhere. Ghosts. <laughs> like they're <laughs> they have to be. You didn't want to die downstairs at a nightclub. Okay. Oh my god. <sighs> they're, they're, 
No, everyone is having so much fun upstairs. Uh, Hollywood elite <laughs> or whatever. Uh, uh, I can't stop saying or whatever. Okay. I'll let it out. Don't worry. The next sentence describes the people who are described as problem people. Customers who can pay their gaming debts. Romanced the wrong waitress or showgirl. All right. That's good. Mm-hmm. Or we're, gu- <laughs> were we're guilty of some other offense. Uh, we're the ones who suffered and died here. Oh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh oh boy. Uh oh. Uh oh. In the ba- <laughs> <laughs> in the basement, there was also an abortion clinic set up for knocked up, sh- knocked up showgirls, prostitutes, and girlfriends of mobsters to get rid of their tummy bumps. Who wrote this? Yeah, this <laughs> article comes from ghost.hauntedhouses.com. <laughs> <laughs> ghost dot I have okay I have a couple of points the first one I'm gonna take some umbrage with calling the back room of a comedy nightclub a clinic uh-uh. of any kind uh-huh. this is this is a room where crimes occurred yeah and like look hey I look everyone has a right to an abortion for sure but if it's happening like in the basement of a nightclub this smells like trouble Abortions probably were legal, uh, illegal at the time. I would so assume that was that was a crime. It it literally, yeah, by the letter of the law, it was a crime. But but um, very different from torturing. Uh, it's just in the next room too, where and just, they called it a clinic. Just go downstairs, and there's a hallway, and like on the left, uh, abortion clinic. On the right, the torture room. I wonder if they had signs on each of the doors so they <laughs> didn't get them mixed up. I'm looking for the bathroom. <laughs> just Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> she was a comic? <laughs> uh, oh, tummy bumps. Oh, they, weren't, they weren't showing yet, so, okay. Um, <laughs> that's my problem with Your, it. Some logistical issues, like, they weren't showing. Just, there were no tummy bumps. It sounds very pro, uh, pro-life. pro <laughs> <laughs> That's not how abortion... Okay. <laughs> These... Oh, Oh, boy. Uh, these women probably didn't have a choice in this matter. Okay, so that colors it in a slightly different light. I, can't, I probably should have said that sentence before. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yep, definitely, definitely a Republican who runs ghost.hauntedhouses.com. Maybe, maybe Dan Aykroyd. Who knows? <laughs> Ex-president <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. Um. A nurse of questionable skill who was on Mickey's payroll performed illegal abortions. To have your career summed up as a nurse of questionable yeah. skill. Poor nurse. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> All they give me is cocktail olives <laughs> and skewers. Like vodka. <laughs> Numbing the pain. Just. Oh, boy. Oh, oh my God. One woman died from her abortion, and the nurse was publicly humiliated and probably killed by the dead woman's boyfriend. What? <laughs> what do they mean, probably? She, <laughs> <laughs> was she killed or not? Or was it probably the dead woman's boyfriend? Or was it somebody else? We gotta dig deeper. Oh, God. I should have just retold this. Okay. I hate LA. <laughs> Same. <laughs> this is... This really sums it up. Oh, boy. 
<sighs> this is I actually know I don't know if they're gonna talk about it in the ghosty part, but she's rumored to be one of the women who haunt the comedy store. Fair. If I'm giving anybody like a uh, free pass to haunt a comedy store, yeah. Yeah. Her, yeah. Good. Get it. Get it. Uh, okay. During the 60s, here we go. <laughs> the venue of the club changed to providing uh, rock and roll stage acts up until the mid-70s when new business people moved in to try to, s- to try something new. Sammy and Mitzi Shore and Rudy DeLuca started out their comedy club venture by renting a room in the building where they opened up a unique venue that featured that featured male comedians. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do they specifically say male comedians? They specifically say male comedians. <laughs> well, this, no- was, this was before women were funny, see? <laughs> and nothing has changed. Oh. Just cut to Lucille Ball shaking her fist at the sky. <laughs> She's haunting the place. Like, Damn you, Ricky! A weekend. <laughs> I'm home. He's home. We're home. What? Uh, comics, season comics, another room. Oh, women got their own stage, the belly room. Wait, the belly room? They were trying to get rid of the yeah. belly <laughs> This is... I, I'm hoping that the belly room is not just, like, the abortion clinic with a couple <laughs> of, like, theater seats in it. They don't do the abortions there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> at this time she also moved one of her los angeles comedy stores down to la jolla and hired her daughters to manage that one this in- this success inspired other comedy venues to pop up in los angeles while all the los angeles comedy venues were making a lot of money the owners were still not paying comedians for their performances uh-oh hard agree on that <laughs> this is an uh-oh that i wholeheartedly support ghost.houtedhouses.com this is a good uh-oh it's does that mean that the uh, ghost, the go- comic ghosts of comics who didn't get paid, are gonna come back? They <laughs> um, send screaming Sam Kinison. Me, <laughs> <laughs> I hate women. Wages. My wife didn't pay me. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, here we go. One comedian. Oh, um, Steve Lubitkin. Lubitkin. I, I don't know who that is. Lubitkin. Lubitkin. What? Steve Lubitkin. Part for the chorus on Boohaha is if there's a name you can't pronounce, you just kind of mumble it comically. Oh, good. Okay, good to know. Tell Uh, me more about Steve Lunenkin. He died. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. After uh, he was heavily, they striked. They stroked. They striked. (laughs) They struck. (laughs) There we go. They struck. And then afterwards, he wasn't allowed to perform there. Which crushed his hopes at a comeback. Sure. All right. This pushed him over the head, uh, the edge, and he jumped from the 14th floor of the Continental Hyatt House. That was right next door to the comedy club. So not from the Cecil. Not from the Cecil. No, (laughs) that's far away. (laughs) But a different hotel. (laughs) Another of LA's uh, prime jumping real estate locations. Doesn't matter, though. Doesn't matter, though, that it was from that hotel because he was aiming for the roof of the comedy club. (laughs) (laughs) But landed in the driveway instead. What a way to go out. Oh, what a... Like, even in death, you fumble your punchline. It's so so perfect. Oh, God. Poor Steve Lemmon. Oh, Steve. Steve His His suicide note stated, My name is Steve Lemmon. I used to work at the comedy store. 
in his note, he blamed Mitzi for not letting him perform there. Okay. How petty do you have to be? Oh, my God. I mean, if it was, you know, my name is Steve Merchnemermlerm, and I worked at the Ford plant, and then Ford fired me. Sure. you're, But you're a fucking comic. Like, this is like... There's options. And I know that there were fewer options then, but still. Yeah. Yeah, no, only a comic would be like, this is your fault. That feels that feels on brand. <laughs> <laughs> also, weird that this suicide note was surprisingly bitless. <laughs> and also, yeah, only two lines. Two lines, and none of them are punch. <laughs> he couldn't have written a one-liner. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really my style. Yeah, I'm really sure. more of like an observational. I'm more of a storyteller. <laughs> I need some. I need some runway, you know, to just get up to speed. Yeah. Anyway, we've talked about the the history of the comedy store and its abortion dungeon. Um, are there ghosts there? <laughs> I remembered something. Oh, well, there better be. Jesus. Oh, I guess Steve. We should, we should probably tell the audience that we're drinking. <laughs> Been, have you been drinking on this podcast before? Nope. <laughs> okay. This is a this is a fun left turn. <laughs> I'm the one. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, we need to do a better clink than that. <laughs> That's the one. Two aluminum cans. <laughs> Thanks. Bowie Beer Company's Czech Style Pilsner. From oh, have you ever been to the Bowie? Um... Yeah, it's right on the docks in Astoria. Yeah, and yeah. you also haunted. Oh, I'm sure. I'm probably it's a story, but it's yeah, it's that what we were talking about where it's just like spooky and um, misty, atmospherically ear. In the traditional Oregon sense, it is atmospherically spooky, right? But also the um, sea lions were. (laughs) 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 I love just like you'll be walking along like the most picturesque beach or like like just around the docks in that story, and it's like just really silent. Just hear like a like. Like off in the distance, you're like, ah, what a beautiful day. And you're like, okay, well, this has spoiled it a little bit. That's a good sea lion. <laughs> Thank you. I do what I can. A deeper dog bark. <laughs> Are there ghosts? <laughs> what is ghost? <laughs> Bringing it back. All right. The staff and manager. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna read this. I'm just gonna read this. Just go. Go for it. The staff and managers of the comedy store have had the following experiences. Comedians Joey Gaynor and Blake Clark both got their start at the comedy store, working as doormen and security men. Uh, servers, assistants, and office personnel have had encounters with the spe- with the spirit people as well. <laughs> oh, the spirit people are coming. <laughs> they they had to like. Uh, Look, look up uh, synonyms for ghosts because oh, they used it. It sounds so char. Hoitato, the spirit people. I don't think you can say hoitato anymore. <laughs> look, they're white. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hoitato, the spirit people are coming <laughs> after being aborted in the rape dungeon. <laughs> so much <laughs> hang on <laughs> 13 the entity is steve Lubutkin, the comedian man? who suicided that's not a verb I know. 
Steve's probably one of the spirits who enjoy watching new comedians perform on stage. Oh, he's the one. <laughs> Steve could be one of the spirits who likes to play pranks on the staff there, letting them know of his presence. Other spirits, too, get their chuckles at the expense of the living. How fun would it be to be a ghost comic? Oh, my God. Okay, just to be taking the piss out of new comics from beyond the grave. Just every time you're at like Funhouse and the the wireless mic drops out, that's not because the battery's dying. It's just because Steve is really having his go. It's just like turning it on and off. Click, click, Someone's click, like click. sweating, really nervous. They don't know what to do. When it... If if you if you subscribe to the idea of a spirit as like an entity with intent and agency, just feeding off that energy, like there's. There's so much weird energy in a stand-up room, especially with like new comics who are just like full of like yeah, sitting there really scared, like and it's all it's all gooping together. Good for Steve to have someone to like Steve to throw a wrench in there. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> yeah, five years. Oh. That's Ira. <laughs> you giving him five? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he won't hear this. Taking a month off right now. <laughs> <laughs> to, to crawl under the stove. <laughs> that ties into the story that I'm going to tell you when we're done here. Pictured Ira trying to like crawl out under the freezer in the garage while telling you a story about how he knows Emo Phillips. Activities. Fair. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Oh, yeah. The, they talked about those before, so that makes sense. Well, okay, here's the story. While locking up one night, the doorman and security man, comedian, what? I don't know how to read. Um, the doorman, security man, comedian. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wait. I think I, the doorman and security man, comedian Blake Clark. There we go. That's he was all three. He's a triple threat. He can tear the ticket, close the door, and then tell you something about his penis. Got it. (laughs) But most important is comedian. That is confusing, though. It's not well written. No, that's. You know, I think I think Blake Clark wrote this. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. He's also a comedian. Well, locking up one night, the doorman Blake Clark saw a Do- chair. Doorman, security man, and big dick haver Blake Clark. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he saw a chair on the stage slide twenty slide for twenty feet effortlessly all by itself. Ugh. Mm, I believe it. That's the length of this room. I, one foot, you would notice. <laughs> twenty feet though. 
I'm looking for a sharp object to end. I'm like, no, I'm done. The ghost is trying to help him clean up. (laughs) Do you want them stacked? (laughs) Over you. In the corner. Uh, waitresses have set up the tables before a performance, and when they leave for a moment, come back and everything is off the tables, neatly folded and stacked. I like when ghosts are tidy. It's so helpful. I mean, that suggests that the ghost is, this is bleak, but like the ghost of waitstaff continues to like fold towels into the infinity. That's their unfinished business because it's like such an empty job not no step when you're in it when you're in it that's how it feels like what you have to you're the folding automaton do this forever i want to hear about the ghosts at gap (laughs) all of the t-shirt boards are stacked up i bet the employees at gap would really appreciate that since people just go in and mess them up and then looking for their size if this is if this is an energy that we can harness just to have ghosts do our menial labor (laughs) Oh boy, an army of ghosts. Admittedly, humanity's had its issues, but ever since we decided to enslave the phantasms, nothing's <laughs> <laughs> so much better. <laughs> that's that's what leads to world peace. It's just our ghost army. Who's gonna capitalize? Who's gonna be the people who harness the ghosts together? Janitorial staff. Yeah, why not? <laughs> the ones who need it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as comedians Joey Gaynor and Blake Clark were closing Wait, the main... Wait, comedian, doorman, and security <laughs> man Blake Clark <laughs> with the big dick? It's, we should watch some of his stand-up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he is such a big dick. Um, <laughs> they walked out for a moment. When they came back, ten chairs were stacked on top of each same Same shit. Ten chairs were stacked on top of each other. Step on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, ghosts love stacks. <laughs> Got it. Ghosts love stacks. Could there have been somebody else there who was helping out? Nope, it was a ghost. Well, I didn't stack ten chairs. Uh, it must have been ghosts. It must have been ghosts. How could it not have been ghosts? But, but if ghosts didn't do anything else but stack ten chairs, that makes it ghosts. It has to be ghost. If ghost only stack ten chair, then <laughs> ten chair stack must be ghost. If you walk into room and there are ten stack napkin, not ghost. But ten stack chair is ghost. Ten stack chair ghost. Ten ghost. Ten ghost. Ten, ten ghost, ghost ten stack chair. hundred chair. This is a math problem. Look, if ten ghosts leave Cincinnati stacking ten chairs per mile. And 14 ghosts leave also Cincinnati. <laughs> you don't have to finish it and get the idea. Okay, the next one is uh, Ghost Through Ashtray at uh, Joey Head. At is Joey's it, Head. Is it Blake Clark's head? Is it? Yep, Blake's there too, of course. <laughs> inserting himself into every story. He didn't need to be there. Sup, I'm Blake. My big dick might have knocked this ashtray off the table. <laughs> God damn it. Victim of the mob, entity of World War II airman. One quiet afternoon, Blake was playing a video game in a room near the kitchen. Uh, he suddenly felt a presence watching him about three feet behind him. That's specific. It really is. Yeah, uh, I don't know how you could feel a presence a certain amount of feet away. 
I'm just going to close my eyes. I feel like Zoe's 2.7 feet away from me. Then probably listen up. Yep. See, I was wrong. <laughs> Fuck you, Blake. Fuck you, Blake. You know, you think you know everything? Uh, he says he saw a man behind him dressed in a brown leather bomber jacket. And then he turned to him, and then he faded away. That's spooky. That's spooky, yeah. Do you think that's legit? It would be weird for a Air Force fighter pilot flying ace to be in a nightclub. Yeah, he has. they haven't mentioned anything about... No, I feel like if you were some sort of star grenadier, flash flyman, you'd probably take off your bomber jacket and put on a suit coat. Yeah. You'd probably you'd probably put on a tuxedo before going to Ciro's lest you be shot in the back of the head. Right. He wouldn't have had any business there. Maybe no. he wanted to be a comic. Hi. It's I like the idea that people are like, "Oh, it's a ghost from the 30s." And it's like, "No, it's just some schlocky 80s comic in a bomber jacket be like, "I'm Ace Flyman. Let yeah. me tell you jokes about my sky penis." <laughs> Blake again. I know. I was. It was just gur- gurgling up into my throat just now. Blake and the staff member bravely went out to investigate. Wait, oh. we have a Sam Kinison thing. We were just laughing at him being the screamy '80s guy. We've been. That's who he is. There. He. If you want to know, if you can't remember Steve Kinison's Sam Kinison's name. <laughs> Google screaming 80s comedian. Case in point, if you don't know who Sean Kinison is, you can just <laughs> Google screaming 80s, man. It, try it. Listen, it works. Listener. It works. Go to your Googles. Go to your Googles. Google screaming 80s. Okay. But one, yeah, that, that seems like a good one to end yeah. on. Yeah. One evening, while Sam Kinison was on the stage of the original showroom. Oh, he's dead, too. Um. Clark was next door, closing up the main showroom. <laughs> as he heard Sam Kinison go through his comic routine, getting louder and louder, as was his custom, <laughs> Clark heard a low buzz of voices, which got louder and louder. When Sam reached his trademark scream, Clark heard the voices angrily chanting, It's him. It's him. It's him. Oh, God. Whoa! That's, that's really troubling, actually. <laughs> <clears throat> that inferred that they were planning something. They're, they were either waiting or they knew. Yeah, they weren't sure until he screamed also. Oh, God. I don't – that that kind of thing makes me very uncomfortable. There's more, too. Oh, no. The ghosts did their best to dissuade Sam from performing. They messed with the lights and interfered with the sound system, annoying Sam. One night uh, – one night, Sam boldly challenged the ghosts to show themselves. The lights all went off. Ugh. What? What did they have against him? So, okay. I mean, if I were a... If I were the ghost of a 30s or 40s mobster who had been, you know, shot in the back of the head in their abortion basement... As a 21st century non-fancy gangster, I am upset when I hear a Sam Kinison bit because it's just so loud. It's it's, it's so loud. It's really troubling. So if I was some kind of a 
You know, fancy 80s Mickey Cohen coming in here with my Cirrus comedy show, gonna do my business. And then this fucking hillbilly shows up and starts caterwauling. Shut up. (laughs) Tamp down the volume. All I'm saying is, in this case, the ghost might be right. Maybe (laughs) Sam Kinison should just, you know, take a knee. Chill out a little bit. Fucking calm down, buddy. I take this all very personally because I scream into microphones and it's a problem. When you scream, it's very effective because it's funny. Thank and you. You're, like, and you're not, it's, when you scream into a microphone, it's it's good and it's funny and it's charming and it works. When Sam Kinison does it, it's like a weird affront. It feels misogynistic. Yes. It's, something about it. There's something about, there's something about Sam Kinison's comedy where, if it was just a person screaming into a microphone, sure, that's a way to use a microphone. It's fine. But what he's doing is just using his words to just kind of like box you about the face. Yeah, it's painful. Yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah. I don't blame the ghosts. I wish that said. these ghosts had done more. I wish that these ghosts had given him the Steve treatment. Throw him off the roof. Try to land on the roof. Yeah, throw him into the driveway. Oh, my God. So that's the comedy store. That is that is spooky and terrifying. I do want to know more eventually. I would like to see a 30 to 45 minute documentary about the paranormal happenings at the comedy store that exclude, what's his name, Bud Clark? No, that's <laughs> a mayor that we had in Portland. <laughs> um, it, I don't Blake? know. How, yes. Blake, Blake, of course, male comedian named Blake. Blake Clorp. I'm pulling this up just to see if if Bork Clerk. <laughs> oh no, it's by someone named Hillary the Sources. Blake Clark wrote this. Blake Clark wrote this. The end. For sure. <laughs> but that's uh, that's terrifying. Yeah. It seems like that. That feels like the kind of thing where. Recently, I went out to uh, Rajneesh Param, and of course, of course, because where else would I go for like a fun, relaxing road trip other than the site of Oregon's most fucking awesome cult? You have the book, and you've had it for sorry. I didn't yeah, it's uh, you, no, you are entirely look. They had a lot of things right. You go out there and look at their like giant earthen dam. They were doing some good stuff. It, it's un. <sighs> Nobody should be poisoning people with salmonella, but... But the way it started. Desperate people do desperate things. And in principle, (laughs) having a great commune out in the middle of the desert where everybody's just fucking and growing turnips or whatever, awesome. Cool. Great. And we went out there, and the compound has been sold to a Christian summer camp. No way. Was yes. that in the... I didn't finish the documentary. Did they include that? Very briefly at the end. And they kind of... They do like some vanity shots of, of the Christian summer camp. It's like, come on out to Young Life Christian Camp. Oh, and they're a big non-denominational, like, getting people on board. Kind of a cult. <laughs> it's... Well, and so f- from everyone I know who is that variety uh, or was in their youth that variety of Christian 
it's the kind of camp where it's primarily about like getting hand jobs on a bus. Right. Like it's not it's not about God. It's about going on a water slide and like you know losing your virginity. But even if it weren't, the fact that your Christian summer camp for children is founded on a site that was just like bathed in genital fluids, <laughs> yeah. like free love sex cult for a decade, that's got to affect the ether. Like, and the same way with a com- with the comedy store, it's like you f- you start a comedy club on like torture dungeon and forced abortion clinic. It's gonna affect the space, yeah. right? Yeah, you're doing a disservice to the comedy. <laughs> it's good. No wonder Stephen Amory killed himself. Yeah, he was trying to contend with you know basement screams. He can feel it, and if comedy's supposed to be about energy. And you're subtly, subconsciously picking up on that. I'm making wah-wah hand gestures. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's terrifying and spooky. I'm curious about... Blake Jimmy. Clark? <laughs> Jimmy watch, Jimmy Let's see if we can find stand-up. Blake Clark's stand-up. Insert. There's probably a million comedians in the Northwest. No, no, the uh, Midwest named Blake Clark. Insert prices right music here. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh wow. It's him. It's this fucking dude. I've seen him in a million movies. He I was going to say he looks like somebody, but I think he just looks like him. <laughs> yeah. I just watched Oh! Yeah. He's, he's in all of the Adam Sandler movies. Oh, that makes sense. 50 First Dates blows. I decided to be a person who watches movies again, so I started at the beginning of HBO Go. Oh, there you go. And, and just <laughs> work your way through. Yeah, but 50 First Dates, I couldn't get to it. It's not good. I'm just... have to believe that Adam Sandler is a sex symbol. That's yeah, he's in so is. much stuff. This dude, 112 credits. He's oh, he was the fucking slinky dog. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. my god, Blake Clark was the slinky dog. He's doing great. Um man. Oh, I think he's actually dead. He, oh. No, no, he's going to be in he's going to be in the next um Oh, wait, no. I guess the T the T-Rex guy died. Somebody in Toy Story died, I believe. Are they going to come back from that? Oh, I hope not. Oh, I just did a marathon. It was rough. If it was the well, I mean cuz the le- I believe I'm going, hey, the first Kevin Smith quote on this podcast. He referred to Toy Story 3 as Schindler's Toy Box. (laughs) Good for him. You know what? Fucking Blake Clark. I was giving Blake Clark a lot of shit. We should have looked this up before, yeah. But, yeah, no, this dude's great. I'm going to, I believe implicitly everything that Blake Clark says (laughs) now. In retrospect. I was like, no, I'm kind of skeptical about fucking big dick Blake Clark can over you, here. Can you cut this in to be before we read the... <laughs> then, then we would sound like total assholes yeah. over like, Blake Clark, American hero, fuck him. <laughs> I'm like having a real, like, I need to change my attitude about what makes me instinctively need to be snarky about things. There is a, th- okay. If you hear aspiring stand-up comic and the word Blake. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It, yeah. Yeah. It, fair. Thank you. I'm I'm look, I'm going to enable us both there. Sometimes. <laughs> but we've learned. 
We've learned. We've learned that Blake Clark is an American hero. He might be the voice of Slinky Dog. He, he is. <laughs> I like you. You're still a little bit skeptical. Like he might be Slinky Dog, but fuck him though. That was. I feel like a good rating system for like ghost hauntiness is. Is this a place that I would want to be in alone? And up until now, for all of the places that we've talked about on this podcast, it's been pretty much like, yeah, whatever. Fucking who cares? We did, uh, Dave Olson was on and we did the Donner party, the Donner Pass thing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I wouldn't want to be there. But both of the places we've talked about tonight, I wouldn't want to be alone. Yeah. You definitely wouldn't be want to be at Donner Pass alone that's outside in the woods this wolves coyotes <laughs> wolves snow um, chili chili just a delicious meal i meant like cold but oh. also i kind of want chili i'm hungry <laughs> stag word association let's go <laughs> these are places that are lit up and inside and in a temperate climate but wouldn't want to be in them. We're, we were, we, we got to burn that hotel down. Part of it is, I mean, when you hear about haunted places like out in, you know, Erie, Oregon, or like cold, dark northern places, the spookiness is kind of understandable because it's atmospheric. But there's something so much more jarring about terrifying things in like bright, sunny L.A. Yeah, nobody talks about how it's um like a, a miserable place a lot of the time it is a miserable hellhole yeah, and people <laughs> go there with these high hopes that they're gonna be a star and i don't know how that's still a lie that people <laughs> believe i mean yeah la is an it's a terrifying vampire that just sucks hope out of people yeah. and and then grinds them into lubricant for the wheels that power the motion like fucking what's her name angeline She's doing good. <laughs> Is she? <laughs> it, that's one of those cases where, like... Angeline will not be interviewed without, like, a Victorian bridal veil. Oh, she won't go out that out the house. Yeah. I haven't seen her in a long time, but... I feel like nobody has. <laughs> <laughs> the, the stark contrast of, like, youth and beauty and all of this stuff, and then how you, as soon as you don't have it, less than garbage yeah it's that's that's it that's true that's it yeah it's a there's such a weird mechanism that fuels it like the thing that powers it is <laughs> dashed dreams mm-hmm. <sighs> well those were ghosts those were ghosts we have a final segment <laughs> <laughs> Do you? It's been. It, this is like up until now. I've been real proud about like keeping it on the rails. <laughs> like, look, we. I run a tight podcast ship here. No tangents, and I'm gonna edit this down judiciously. But uh, our last segment is: Do you have any spooky stories? Anything that, anything paranormal that has happened in your life? I have, but this it's a boring one. It's like I saw a figure standing over me. And (laughs) on the scale of ghostiness, like that's a four. You're fine. Yeah, it's a four bodies in water towers. (laughs) One 
Is it four bodies in one water tower? Or is it four bodies in four water towers? <laughs> is that an eight or a four? I don't know. <laughs> Exponential. Um, I did. I did. I definitely did, and that definitely made me believe that ghosts are real and can take a form. Because, but like, it also could have been like a, like a sleep paralysis thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'll question it. I still believe that they're real. But I was, I woke up, figure. In a nightgown over me, and I was like, Amy? I was sleeping over at my friend Amy's house. And I was like, Amy? Uh, and then I realized it wasn't my friend Amy, and then I just, like, went back to sleep. That's fair. That's my that's my, that's my my encounter with a ghost story. Let me uh, Dr. Ghost Inspector this for a second. Ooh. Had you, before or after that, ever had any kind of sp- sleep paralysis, spookiness involving nightgown ghosts? I have had sleep paralysis spook uh not but not spookiness. Okay. No nightgown ghosts. Just okay. just the feeling of not being able to move. Sure. Okay, so kind of like a more of like clinical textbook sleep paralysis. Yeah. That feels ghosty. But I know hallucinations can come along with that. Sure, but we're going to I mean, this is a podcast that is ostensibly about ghosts, so we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I on saw this. a ghosty. How much of the ghost do you remember? Like, was it like specific? Can you remember the specific oh. face? No, I very, I, I know I felt it was a woman. Okay. And that it just like ended. That it was just a woman in like a long nightdress that ended. I don't remember hair or anything, but I'm assuming it was. There was hair. See, now that to me. That suggests more ghost than subconscious yeah. interpretive dream because I, I feel like in dreams we tend to remember like specific details, even if it is just there is a person with this one specific thing about them. But the fact that you just like inferred a presence. Uh, yeah, it definitely. I'm questioning myself just to. I don't know why I'm doing that. It's. I mean, we always. Yeah. We always question ourselves more than we question the stories of others. But that feels. I'm gonna read that as spooky. Definitely spooky. Yeah, and especially if that was the one outlier, and you were at. Were you at your friend's house? I was at my friend's house in Torrance, California. <laughs> Torrance, California, just a couple towns away from Manhattan Beach, <laughs> where Dorbo Dicker. Came Went from after the, he, he drove through rush hour traffic. I mean, it's like it's like it's an hour in the middle of the day if you take some of the streets. I'm getting homesick. But like everything's an hour away. Like I mean, if we're if we're using like yeah. downtown LA as a central point, everything is a fucking it's hour true. away. It's no. like fucking try to get to Hollywood after noon. Uh, no, Last time I went to LA, I stayed. <laughs> Uh, so last time I went to LA, it was for it was for this uh, Adobe conference in October. Yeah, it was super cool. It was great, but I waited too long to book. So every hotel in downtown LA that was not like eight hundred dollars a night was booked up. So I stayed at the Hollywood Roosevelt. <laughs> Did you see any presences? I saw nothing. I slept very well. Didn't see Janis Joplin. Wood that I had. Try to get back from downtown LA to Hollywood, like between the hours of two p.m. and seven p.m. No. Fuck you. No, I, 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 um, love love, and I dated someone who lived in Guandale when I was still living in Torrance, and would like try to get out of work as early as possible, 
was it, was it the distance that undid the relationship? Uh, no, because <laughs> I moved into town and then realized that was a mistake. Um, oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, no, it was it was that it was polyamorous. <laughs> and I thought, I can't, I can't, I'm not. This this is always one of the, <sighs> I feel like, like, Paul, like, look, I'm sure sometimes it works my Kaplan. Having said that, it really feels like one of those, one person is always going to want more or less from the other. And, like, just statistically, the likelihood of, this is now getting into the territory of cigarettes and feelings. Um, but yeah, that's a hard that's a hard needle to thread. It's so hard because I know people who at least act like it's working. I I don't <laughs> I don't I don't believe them don't ever. Either. It's like no, it's totally working. It's like no, you feel it deep in your heart. Yeah. You want more, or they want more. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes I do feel like there's something wrong with me that I can't be like, yeah, everyone can just love each other and things are what they are, but I am such a fucking jealous person. Yeah, well, it's like... tears me apart. I've found, and now we are really getting into, like, cigarettes and feelings territory, I have found that if I am convinced that a person cares about me and has feelings for me, they could fuck the entire Western front, and I wouldn't care. But as soon as there is doubt in my mind, then it's fucking over. And then how do you get to the point where there is no doubt in yeah. your mind? Does it just have to be from yourself or is it something that they can I it's hard. Like it's it it f- Check out Cigarettes and Feelings <laughs> coming <laughs> coming soon to whatever podcast network we're on. Okay. <laughs> you started your own podcast network. I do have I have like three or four lined up. It's Cigarettes and Feelings with you and then it's um it's Poke Men with Matt Knockbar, which is just a short run where we eat poke and talk about Pokemon. <laughs> Do you have poke spots picked out or It's all going to be like Pokemon conspiracies. Like just like Pokemon takes place in a post apocalyptic future where genetic engineering is run amok, which led to all of these horrible genetically engineered monsters escaped and then Japan had to retask their youth to capture all of their mistakes. Drage. <laughs> A lot. There's a lot I going on. Most of those words. Are you seeing Detective Pikachu this weekend? I, you know, I'm gonna be on a road trip, but I want to see when I come back because it looks genuinely fun. I actually, I like Ryan. I wish Ryan Reynolds the best. <laughs> okay, without that, but you know, <laughs> but he wasn't for a while. Yeah. Um, where are you going? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a little road trip up to. We're gonna go up to Seattle for a night and then up to the San Juan Islands. It's gonna be great. Do a little, yeah. Hopefully, we're gonna see Orica. Very excited. Um, oh wait, go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? I was gonna go get that other beer, but now that I can't get this microphone in the stand, I feel like maybe I should. Here, uh, then. I mean, we're at the point where we can basically wrap it up. Um, I wanted to tell you about the dead dog. <laughs> Well, okay, put your mic... You could just put the mic on the couch and go get your fucking beer. Like, that's fine. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope, 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 we're good. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, we can split that beer after this. Okay. How about good. that? Perfect. Perfect. Okay, cool. Now, Zoe, you mentioned a dead dog. <laughs> um, okay, Griffith Park, super haunted. Yes. This is the research that I did. I learned stories. I want to tell you about them. So you mentioned dead dogs. Yeah, okay. Single dead dog. Okay. Griff Park's super haunted. 
and also there was a curse put on it. I found out. <laughs> By whom? Okay. Blake Clark? No. <laughs> Maybe. Under the Silver Flake. <laughs> He's too good. What is that poster where it's just it's Andrew Garfield, but it's just Blake Clark is in the background. <laughs> He's in the bottom. Okay. By whom, you ask? First owners, super rich people, family, the a politician. The dude's on his deathbed. He was supposed to give the land to his niece, uh, I think. And this politician guy who wanted it came in and um, reworked his will. And then he's like super dying. So he can't do anything. So he attaches a stick to his forehead. And is like, hey, uh, so I get this land, right? And then he moves the stick up and down. So the guy's nodding yes. Um, and the niece was pissed. <laughs> Allegedly. That feels like a hilarious sitcom bit. That, that's that ha- that's something that Kramer did. <laughs> it's like, it's Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> Attached a stick. He couldn't have, like, up and down it. He had no, to, you gotta like, it. tether it to his head. Yeah. So the like, guy wills, he wills uh, everything to this dude. Yeah. Yeah, wills everything against his will. <laughs> Is that what against your will means? I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's just all, I curse you. This land's cursed now. Everyone, there's going to be crickets. There's going to be famine. Cursed. There's going to be way too many tourists in Griffith Observatory <laughs> every fucking night. So I'm, screw your romantic evening. <laughs> See what I said? Okay, we'll save it. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> lover in los angeles look it would be it would have been a lovely night otherwise uh, you can't you have to walk from the bottom if it's not gonna take an hour to drive well this up. is we got an uber up but it also happened to be the night that fucking wait wait don't tell me was playing at the fucking greek because <laughs> because we were in traffic for 45 <laughs> minutes trying to get up that one lane fucking road to the observatory lane, yeah. i'm like we could have walked we could have walked <laughs> Wait, wait, don't tell me. So it was fucking, wait, wait, don't tell me. So then we get up to the fucking observatory, and it's just the sound of, of fucking light NPR laugh. <laughs> it's majestic, isn't it? I'm stuck here because I'm trying to remember a single panel. Uh, Paula Poundstone, ruin your night. <laughs> Poundstone. <laughs> anyway, I, I yeah. Uh, oh yeah, there's famine. Crickets ate everything. Animals died. When the guy was trying to like, the guy died because, uh, not because, but the day, like literally the day he was making like a deal about what the water is, some kind of water deal. He mm-hmm. was just randomly shot and killed. Just completely randomly shot and killed. All right, point one to cursed land. Cursed. <laughs> fucking land and like shit weird shit kept happening people kept dying so much so that the last owner whose name was griffith j griffith i'm sorry wait is this the name of the monopoly man (laughs) monopoly j monopoly griffith j griffith here to tell you that this land is cursed Run! Run! He just gave it away to Los Angeles. He was like, ooh, ooh, no more. So that's how it became a park, was he's like, this shit's cursed. Griffith Park is massive. Massive. Like, it's, that is an insane tract of land. So 
I mean, yeah, just even just for development, like that there's got to be so much fucking money there and for him just to be like no no yeah. no no, no, goodbye yeah that's what that guy wanted it so bad it must it had to have been real like they, nothing could happen like yeah. look all the houses on that one fucking road leading up to the fucking greek <laughs> beautiful yeah oh man fucking beautiful that must be private land oh, but the place is huge they keep finding bodies in it bodies everywhere uh now that's 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 current day yeah, so, so bad stuff stopped happening for a while. And then in, like, the 70s, a couple was fucking on a bench. Sure. And a tree fell on them and they died. And then... Well, I mean, that's the Lord. That's... That's the Lord saying, no sex before marriage. Thou manage. shalt not fuck in the park. Yeah. <laughs> only, only in the privacy of your home where I can't see it. The Lord is in parks. <laughs> the Lord can't see through roofs. <laughs> What's going on in there? <laughs> That's why when a, the Lord closes a window, he opens a door. Yep. To peep. To peep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a, a, okay, so a couple is murdered by a tree. Murdered by a tree. Uh, I googled another article. Tree's still there. Tree's still there because they can't get it off. Tree trimmer came, tried to trim the tree. Just like that guy. They couldn't get him off. <laughs> the one who was in the park yeah did he didn't, die didn't get off that's what that's their unfinished business because they're haunting <laughs> the fuck out of that place moaning that like you know how ghosts moan these uh. are like legit moans <laughs> these are like sex moans yeah <laughs> <laughs> just ghosts but they're just kind of always undulating like <laughs> yeah oh yeah people come there and they're like leave ribbons and stuff to like condo- condoms around the tree or whatever oh that's yeah. sweet it's it like a nice. wishing tree it's a <laughs> but Goopy. Goopy. Yeah. It's just dripping with lube. Don't want to fall onto that tree. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> tree trimmer mysteriously died trying to trim the tree. Dead guy. Mysteriously. Okay, so it's not just the park, but this tree specifically is fucked. Yes, the tree's still there. <laughs> I said that already. Tree's still on the bench. You can go there to see the tree. Um... Flash forward to 2015. I was taking an improv class. (laughs) Please do go on. (laughs) I didn't want to. I didn't. I was bad at it. I was very bad at it. So I had my improv performance or final performance. And I was very nervous before. So I went for a walk in Griffith Park. I lived on Griffith Park Boulevard. I walked across the street. Mm -hmm. I walked into the park. I got like 30 feet in. And this guy stopped me. He's shaking. He's holding a chihuahua. Chihuahua shaking. Dude's like, "This is my. Br- this is Brittany. She's dying." And I was like, "What? No. What?" Yeah, yeah. He was like, "This is my dog. She's dying." And and I was like, "I don't know what to do. I can I can call a vet." He's like, "No. She's dying right now." He's like, "I'm sorry." And he puts Brittany down. <sighs> crawls under a bush. <laughs> like Ira like Novos <laughs> under the fridge. Yeah. Curls up into a ball, foaming at the mouth. I do a little face. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I have to get to UCB. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in this impromptu on one class. It's three o'clock. Is this UCB on Franklin? It's, yeah. It's, okay. This is before sunset. Opening. Okay. Lovely area. Yeah. That's, oh. 
walked there. Uh, yeah, and then I went there. There's a great crossroads by that UCB. Crossroads? Oh, it's a consignment, like like Buffalo Exchange. I've never been there. That's oh, great. Okay. <laughs> anyway, go on. No, that was it. That was it. I got there, and I was like, you guys, I just watched this dog die. And they were like, yes. And no, you're weird. <laughs> Leave. I'm really yeah. bad at improv. Selfish. <laughs> yes, and then Matt Walsh walks by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's like, I'm not going to pay anyone enough. Ghosts are going to haunt this place. <laughs> There's no fire door. <laughs> <laughs> How did he know? How, like, this okay there's a there's a lot of aspects to this did he do you, did he poison his dog it, that, when you mentioned at the top like he he was definitely concerned like he was definitely upset he was visibly shaken i don't know how he knew i don't know i don't know what he thought i was going to do about it 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 oh it feels like in my mind in situations where there is a person and there is another entity and that entity is going to die. Either person A thinks somebody's going to die and then entity does not die or entity is going to die and person A does not know that they're going to die. So for those both to line up, we're, that's real woo-woo. Yeah, yeah. He knew, I don't know if it was like an energy exchange kind of thing, like if the dog had been, Brittany had been sick. Who names the dog Brittany? That's... Was it? You said it was a chihuahua. What was it? it? Was definitely a chihuahua. Oof. But that's that's bizarre and eerie. Yeah, super eerie. Fuck that park. It's a park. It's cursed. Oh. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry. Yeah. I had a relationship that died there. Uh, is it, is it <laughs> an Uber going up to the observatory? No, we g- we actually we got to the observatory. I can show you pictures from that evening where it's just like it's me with like just wide-eyed joy and then another person who knows what's up. <laughs> this is the this is the wait wait don't tell me relationship. Is that the one that yeah, died yeah, yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one died there? Yeah, that was the wait wait don't tell me relationship. <laughs> uh, yeah, where I yeah, Paula Ponestone left me after that. Oh. Was, um, yeah, I gotta cut all this out. We'll put this in cigarettes and feelings. We so we both had a lot of feelings in and around Griffith Park. Well, those have been ghosts. Yeah. Where can people find you? Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> at a pizza place. I'm kind of hungry. There's a pizza place across the street. Uh, we can make this pizza. A, yeah, Ravente Pizza in beautiful <laughs> Portland, Oregon. <laughs> You can find me at Romente Pizza. Okay, fuck. Okay, no, you know what I'm gonna. <laughs> Give us your plugs. So pro, yo. It's so embarrassing. Why didn't they tell us that I was gonna have? Why didn't they know I was gonna have to do this when I made my usernames in college? Pre. I'm I'm so pro, yo, on Twitter, Instagram, and that's Z O P R O Y O. Yeah. Cool. I'm an okay Cupid. Let him know. I don't think I have a username for it, though. Go find her. Come find me on OkCupid. And I am on Only Farmers. <laughs> <laughs> what is that one called? Farmers Only? <laughs> only, only Farmer. <laughs> no townies. <laughs> dot org. Dot org. Uh, 
So yeah, okay, so we can find you on on Twitter and Instagram at. I'm on Twitter. My Twitter is good. That's what Jenna tells me. It is a good Twitter. So pro yo z o p r o y o. In the great wide universe that is usernames, you're doing great. Thank you. Look, not everyone can have at that Avalon. It's really good. I really, I wanted it to be at the Avalon, but I was too late. And now all of the Avalons are just like cool Indonesian ladies. Ooh. I don't know why that's the case, but. Uh, okay, we're going to wrap it. Where can, where can guests find you? Oh, well, yes. So I am on instagram as at that avalon you can find us on twitter at boohaha pod and we'll be back again next week with another one of my nearest and dearest to talk about additional spooky tales that's we just keep talking we just normally trail off and Sometimes stop talking. Ooh, ooh, ooh.